Joshua chapter 5, we'll begin at verse number 11. And they, that's Israel, ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. They were beginning a new diet on this day. I don't mean to lose weight. I mean a different type of food diet. Then the manna ceased okay, on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, (laughs) but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Remember, when you worship, God releases orders. When you worship, God releases his plans. When you worship... God releases his miracle instructions in your life. And you see that happening. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. In chapter 6, it begins, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So, Father, thank you for this amazing truth as we close out a year. We look forward to the illumination that only the Holy Spirit's anointing can bring to us through the Word. So grant us the power and the victory over our adversaries today. We receive your favor as we close out this year and begin a new one. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm speaking a prophetic message to the church today. We are entering a 21-day Daniel fast starting next Sunday. The children of Israel were at a transitional place in this passage. For generations, they had longed for this moment, crossover. And they had believed for this moment, anticipated the day would come when they'd enter the promised land. Finally, after 40 years, they're ready to enter the promise that God had made to them. Not because God delayed, but because their ancestors had failed to believe the Lord. And they would enter a land flowing with milk and honey, produce like you've never seen, a cluster of grapes so large it took two to carry it. And we as a church find ourselves in a transitional place. We're heading into 2014. And when you're in a transitional place, it means you're moving from where you are into what God has for you. Many find yourself in frustration. It could have been a very frustrating year just observing the chaos in our government, the chaos in communicating truth to America unbelievable stuff I've never seen in all the generations of my life. And because when you're in a transitional place, one of the ways it manifests is frustration. 
It seems like you can't break through. Seems like you can't get through the resistance. Like something is holding you back from everything God has for you. Then comes this word through Joshua. You, this people, cross over this Jordan into the land I will show you. So it actually says, command the people, plural. You will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So for the collective body, notice that this required a power relationship to get from where they were to where they were supposed to be. Joshua was a power relationship for the people of Israel. Without Joshua and that power relationship, they would have never crossed over because they needed him to take them to the promised land. So Joshua was the people of Israel's power relationship. There are blessings in you that can never be unlocked until you start being around the right people, until you get around the right people. And notice that he said, you the people. It was not a specific promise to one individual in the camp, but there are the blessings of God that only get unlocked when you identify and join up with a people. And I want to say to you that in our day, it speaks to us of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is so valuable to the Father that his son laid his life down for her, sacrificed himself, the local body of believers. So I want to say that this year will be critically important related to the body of Christ. And that means there's a difference between showing up and joining up. Big difference. A difference between showing up when you feel like it, showing up when it's convenient, when the mood is right, and having a spirit of joining up with his people. Why is that important to God? I'll show you. Because what God wants to do is not just about you. It's not just about blessing you. There's something that God always does when he wants to bless us. He wants to connect us to his church. His church is critically connected to what he is about. He doesn't separate himself from the body. And if you're disconnected or loosely affiliated with his church, God's blessings will never be fully released into your life. There's more to it than just showing up. You've got to join up with power people. So we are entering into this Daniel fast. And you can hear about it or treat it casually, or you can join with us in this fast. Because when we are poised, like Israel was, those joined with us are going to go across with us. And those that were joined with them went across with them. We are at the crossover juncture. And it separates us from the wilderness into the land that flows with milk and honey. Moses had gone on to be with the Lord. Joshua was now elevated in the eyes of the people. And when there's a fresh move of God, there's always a choice to make. The people of God that day had a choice. They could either ignore what God was saying or join themselves to it. And when there's a fresh move of God like the fasting movement, you can either ignore it or you can join yourself to it. Those who join themselves to a genuine move of God and the fasting movement is a move of the Holy Spirit 
worldwide. The people who join themselves to it receive untold blessings they would never receive by themselves fighting on their own. Wise people make friends with a fresh move. They don't hold on to traditions. They don't hold on to mediocrity. They don't hold on to the past. When God places a power relationship in your life, he is saying it's time for you to change. It's time for you to go to a new level. And at that moment, if you join yourself with that move, God will not not let his word return void into your life. So this is what it took. And this is what caught my attention. In order for God to bring his people to a new level, it required a change of diet. Anytime you're going to go somewhere new, you have to develop an appetite for something you've never had before. And all of a sudden, their diet was about to radically change. You see, there were three specific diets God had placed his people on. When they were in Egypt, they ate leeks, garlic, and onions. Nothing wrong in the natural with that, but there's a great spiritual lesson for us here. Because when Israel was in Egypt laboring as slaves, Pharaoh fed them a diet of garlic, leeks, and onions. It's the food of bondage. You never had to wonder what they had been eating. As soon as they entered the room, you could smell what they had eaten. And this is how we know when you've been eating the food of bondage. Because when you open your mouth, we can tell what kind of attitude you have. If you've been feeding on the negative, if you've been feeding on offenses, if you've developed a stinking thinking habit, if you've been feeding on how hurt you are, or how nothing good is happening, or how offended you are, or how badly you've been treated, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. And we're all going to smell it. And God said, when I bring you out of Egypt, I'm changing your diet from leeks, garlic, and onions, and I will feed you in the wilderness on a diet called manna. Whenever God's going to bring you out, he begins changing your diet, changing your spiritual appetite. And suddenly, you don't want to feed anymore on the old stuff. And hear this today, because this is going to help somebody be free. If all the devil does is bring up your past, it's because he's running out of new material. You, you, know, you must be changing. Something is happening in you. You must be looking more like Jesus to him. Because if he can't bring up anything current, if all he can bring up is what you did in your past, well, listen, all he's saying to you is, I'm running out of new material. You're growing. You're looking more like Jesus than ever before. God is changing your diet. So out of Egypt, they have stepped away from the leeks and the garlic and the onions. Egypt was the land of not enough. Now Israel is out in the wilderness, the land of just enough. They ate manna every single day supplied, and they could not store it up overnight. It was just enough, just enough every day. If they attempted to store it overnight, worms would develop within the manna. And God would airdrop manna to Israel every day, morning and evening. It's described as angel's food. The word manna in the Hebrew means, what is it? <laughs> it was the second diet. 
It was the bread of uncertainty. When God brings you out of your Egypt and sets you free from the slavery of sin, he begins to change what you're taking in on the inside. Changes your stinking thinking. Changes that nasty attitude. Then he moves you into a season where you have to eat the bread of uncertainty. When you're first born again, everything is uncertain. You come to church and you hear the worship. You don't know what's going on in here. All you know is there's been a change. All you know is you're not the same person you used to be. It's like you're eating manna. What is it? And someone says, you need to get baptized. You need to get in the tank and go under the water and come back up. And you go, what is it? That's manna. You don't totally understand it. We can give you a a reasonable explanation from Scripture about it. But God just wants you to be obedient. You You need to praise and worship as a new believer. Well, what's praise and worship? And why are these people over here clapping? And why are those people standing? And why are these people so loud? This church is crazy. What's praise and worship? Even if you don't understand it, what is it? Just do it. It will sustain you in the wilderness. It will get you through your trials. It's enough. Just obey. Well, I don't understand everything about tithing. I don't understand everything about serving. Just do it. Well, what is it? Just get it in you. Even though you don't understand the Bible, you keep reading it because while you're reading it, it's getting in you and it will sustain you. It's manna. Then Israel is poised for the crossover. That's very interesting to me. Just when they were used to the manna coming down from heaven every day, every morning, every evening, They didn't have to work for it. All they had to do was walk outside and go pick it up. God supernaturally provided for them. Now it's time to cross over. And God said, if you're going to go to where I promised you, you're going to change your diet. And that's why I look forward to the Daniel fast. This will be a prophetic fast one that will change us connected to this passage I've just read to you because we as a church and many individually are in a place of transition where God is moving you from one level to another level. And as it was for Israel, it requires a change of diet. We are getting ready to change our diet. And the word says, the manna ceased. No more. Just enough. And notice that when God is going to do something powerful in your life, your comfort must be challenged. Your fruitfulness is linked to your discomfort zone. When God's going to do something powerful, he will always challenge your comfort zone. See, it's comfortable for you, it's comfortable for me to eat two or three meals a day. It's uncomfortable to just live on green beans and nuts and fruit. I feel like a blueberry after 21 days. I mean, God says, I have to challenge you in your comfort zone. And you know when I'm challenging your comfort zone, I'm taking you somewhere you've never been. That's what fasting does. The Daniel fast challenges your comfort zone. And your fruitfulness is linked to your discomfort zone. So whenever God desires to see you bring forth more fruit and develop 
more productivity. He takes you into a discomfort zone. If you don't believe it, read the words of Jesus. He said, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. Some of you have a a pruning device. Mm, They're sharp. They cut right through the branch. You've seen a pruner. You've used a pruner. That instrument cuts right through the branch very rapidly. Now ask a pregnant woman about being uncomfortable when she's about to bear fruit. When she's about to deliver the fruit of her womb, she doesn't go dancing into the delivery room. Okay? She knows it will not be a cakewalk. No, everyone knows before the day is over, get all the sharp objects out of the room. She will manifest discomfort. Her discomfort is connected to her fruitfulness, and the more uncomfortable she gets, it's a sure sign of something great being born. Amen? Fruit is about to be born. So are you listening to what I'm saying to you this morning? Are you paying attention? Some just dismiss the fast. But I'm telling you, God wants to produce fruit like we've never seen. So there'll be some discomfort. And Israel had been comfortable. They'd been eating manna. All they had to do was walk out and pick it up every morning and every night. But notice what God told them. Now they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Now they're on their third diet, the land of more than enough. And there were no more free meals, no more handouts. From this point on, Israel would have to go out and work for their food. Now they have to break the ground. Now they have to sow and reap. You can have all you want, but you have to go get it. All of this is available to you, but you have to work for it. That's the highest level of blessing. Blessing is not just sitting around waiting for God to bring you a miracle. I need a miracle car payment. Then you're going to need another miracle car payment. At some point, God says... Let me take the limitations off of you. I want to move you to another place. Whatever you're willing to break ground for, you can have as much as you want. I want to give you a groundbreaking anointing. Some people need to start breaking the ground of education in your family. No one else has ever achieved. To break new ground, you sow and you work, but you also see an abundance God is not into socialism, or the government has to take care of us all the time, or somebody's responsible because I breathe air to pay my bills. Give me another miracle. Just pour it on me, Lord. At some point, you move past that into maturity where you understand he will bless the work of your hands. God is into blessing. God is into favor When you go out and you put in the ground the sweat of your brow. So you say, I will sow, I will work, and I will reap, and there are no limitations on me. The government will put a limitation on you. God will never put a limitation on you. I want more, then I sow more. And the more I sow, the more I reap. And some will say, well, I'm just waiting for a miracle. Just waiting. At some point, you move yourself. And it's okay at some season in your life where you need a miracle because everybody needs help for a season in their life. 
but you're not going to remain there. Some people may need some support during a season like that. But don't become dependent and don't ever become content there. Don't start writing the book, 100 and Ways to Prepare Manna. Throw that recipe book away and say, God has something greater for me and he's changing my diet. This is a land that flows with milk and honey and I'm going to go in there. Those grapes belong on my table. Israel moved into this new season, and Joshua goes to pray, and an angel appears. When Joshua sees the angel, he submits to his authority. He falls to the ground in submission to him. And on this fast, we're not going to fast to tell God what he's to do in our lives. We are fasting and changing our diet, and we're saying, we submit to your authority. Your will be done. I give you my family, I give you my future, I give you my finances. I demand nothing but that you give me more of your presence. I want more of you in my life than ever. I want your priority. I want your plan. Joshua looked at the angel and said, Are you for me or are you for my adversary? Now what a question that is. I love the answer of the angel. He said, I'm for neither. In other words, I don't care if I whip you or if I whip your adversary or if all of you get together and I'll whip all of you at once. Doesn't matter to me. He said, I'm the captain of the hosts of the Lord. I command all the warrior angels of heaven and you don't want to mess here. Okay? So don't manipulate the word and say, God's for me. Say what the word says. It says this, God is for me. When I am what God is for. Not when I am what I am for. If you're out of line with the word, God is not for that. And you can't make God join your team. You have to join God's team. He's the commander of the hosts of the Lord. So the word says, Joshua fell on his face and he worshiped. Worship time is not wasted time. Before you face your Jericho, you better spend time in worship. And many of us are now coming to the fulfillment of Joshua 6.1. It says, now, Jericho. So God has moved them away from the diet of just enough. He took them out of the land of not enough. He's moving them now into the land of more than enough. And as they cross the Jordan, they see Jericho. God now has them facing their first obstacle. Before you face your Jericho, you need to spend time in worship. Take the lesson from Joshua. Joshua fell on his face, and he worshiped the Lord. He didn't have a battle plan. He didn't have a strategy. But out of the worship came the strategy. And as you spend time in God's presence, specifically over the next 21 days... He begins to release his fresh orders so he can take you right to the promises. Then Israel moved in toward Jericho. Surrounding Jericho were walls of resistance. History tells us those walls were wide enough at the top to race chariots side by side. Walls that said, you can go this far and no farther. Walls that said, this is the ceiling in your life. The roadblock. You'll never get through this. This is as far as you get to go. 
This is the limit of your success. Limitation thinking surrounded them. The whole nation was looking at this, these monst- monstrous walls before them. And there are various walls that can stop you in life. Walls of addictive behavior. There are walls that can prevent you from entering what you know God has for you. Walls of depression. Walls of fear. Walls of impoverishment. They're standing in front of you. Walls of limitation. And you know, God has a blessing on the other side of that wall. And here's what blesses me in this passage. The word says, as soon as the enemy heard that the children of Israel were coming, the city was securely shut up. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. I mean, they closed down the entire city. It became a fortified city because the closer you get to the promise, the more the enemy fortifies himself. As it was in medieval times when an invading army was coming to attack, the defenders would roll up the drawbridge. They shut off all the entry points. That's what the enemy does. The closer you get to your place of promise, the resistance gets greater. And the city was shut up because the people of God were advancing toward Jericho. But notice, on the inside of the city, on the other side of the walls, there was a power relationship waiting for God's people. God had a power relationship on the inside of the walls. Someone was already where Israel was desirous to go. A power relationship is when someone has already done what you're trying to do, gotten in where you're trying to get in, already achieved and accomplished what you're trying to achieve. God has a power relationship in this coming new year, and he already has people who know how to do it. They're already on the inside, and they will assist you to enter in to where they are. There are walls of resistance between you and your power relationship. In this case, her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute. Their house was on the wall near the entrance to the city of Jericho. So she could do business with incoming traffic. And she had walls of resistance as well. But she could see out from her place on the wall. And when she lifted her eyes and she saw the people of God, something in her heart said, I believe these people are going to bring down these walls, and I want my whole family saved. Israel sends two spies into the city of Jericho, And this prostitute took the two spies into her house. Now watch. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. Now what she did when she took in these two spies, she was taking the witness of the promise into her house. And they were giving her a word from the Lord and a promise. And then she assembled all of her family members in the city under the roof of that promise. And she said, I've got a witness. God will give you a witness of household salvation. And God has already given us a witness. He will save our children, our families, and each will be mightily used of the Lord. It's not enough to know they are witnesses. You have to take them into your house. What does that mean? You have to open the door of your heart and say, I am in agreement with what God has said to me in my spirit. And hell won't have my children 
Deception will not have any of my children. The enemy will not take my children. I have a witness about my family. I have two witnesses. Therefore, the word is established. It's my promise. On the Daniel fast, he will give you a promise. Now, Rahab got all of her crazy relatives in her house. And don't you know, some of them had an attitude because she was a prostitute. Some didn't want to be with her. But because she had a witness in her house that God would save her family, even if they didn't want to be in her house. See, you've got some relatives who don't want to be in church. They don't want to serve God. But if you'll take the witness into your heart, into your house, what God releases to you while you're fasting and praying, then you'll get an assurance from the Lord. It could be about your family or about something else that matters to you in your life. And then those children, that matters, whatever matters in your life, listen, you'll be blessed mightily of God. And watch how this happens. This is exactly what happened. The two men had spied out the country in Joshua 6. They go into the harlot's house, God said, and bring out the woman and all she has. So they brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. And brought out all her relatives. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had. And she collected on the promise inside the walls. So you shall march. Now watch. I have this sense about these power relationships. They're on the other side of the wall. One power relationship can change your life forever. One person who's already done what you're trying to do. God can give you one of them, and they will advance you by years. So the plan comes to you as it came to Joshua. And here's what you're going to do about those walls of resistance. So God now gives Joshua the plan. This is how these walls will collapse. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. Then in verse 10, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout! Then you shall shout. Now why was that? Because 40 years prior, Moses had sent spies into that land. And 10 of them came back running their mouths. We can't do it. This will never happen. There are giants in the land. The project's too big for us. Joshua said, that is not going to happen again. And I love that God instructed the people to march around the walls for seven days. The first day they walked out, those walls had to be very intimidating. They had to think, my God, these walls are huge. How in the world are we ever going to get over these? They couldn't say it, but they had to think it. Can you see them? But they couldn't say a word. The thing about doing something repeatedly over and over and continually being exposed to something, it, it makes it less intimidating. The first time you step out in faith, it can be terrifying. The first time you write your tithe check, Really? God's going to, this is going to be, I'm going to have less. How can I have more? And you can't figure out the math. But doing something over and over, continual exposure to something, it makes it less intimidating. The first time you step in faith, 
The enemy's walls are very intimidating. But the more you do it, listen, it becomes less intimidating. So on the fourth day, as they walk out to the walls of Jericho, hmm, someone spots a crack, fissure in one of those walls. Huh. You know, that wall's not really plumb. It's leaning a little bit. There's some stones missing at the foundation here. By the sixth day, they've noticed every imperfection in those walls. The walls, once quite intimidating, are not as intimidating as they once were, but they can't say a word. By the seventh day, they travel around the walls seven times. And the walls, see, they've become to believe as they look at them, these walls can come down. And on the seventh day, they go around seven times, and the priests on command blew their trumpets. Joshua commands the people to shout. The people lift their voices with a great shout. And when they shouted with a great shout, the walls of resistance fall down flat. People shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then Israel entered into their power relationship because Rahab, who is she? (laughs) She's actually, read Matthew's genealogy, the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus the Christ. For some waiting for God to fulfill your dreams, there's someone in this new year on the other side of the walls of resistance. There's a power relationship for you. There's someone for you, business person, who's going to make something good happen for you. This past year, some of the banks have shut you out. Business has been off. Opportunities, not quite as many. Walls of resistance in 2013 have been there. But there's a power relationship on the inside that's going to connect you. And the walls during your Daniel fast will begin to crack and fall. There's something called reverberation. Science has shown us that solid matter responds to certain sound decibels. Maybe you were shown an experiment where a certain sound decibel could crack crystal. Or you're at a red light and a car pulls up and some redneck has his subwoofers blasting. (laughs) Like you really want to hear his music, right? Like, yeah, I really want to hear that. And your car is actually starting to move. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Even though sound is invisible, the decibels have reached the level it causes solid matter to respond like a clap of thunder explodes and the windows in your house shake we experienced that firsthand when we lived in florida man there's nothing visible it's just a sound but the sound decibels impact solid matter god knows how to match the sound of your praise to the walls of your resistance God knows how to get the right pitch from your praise and match it to the walls of resistance. And he will raise the decibel level in the spirit world to what brings down all these walls of resistance. So while we're worshiping during our fast, 
while we're communing with the Lord, when we set aside some time that we would be doing this in order to get closer and draw close and nigh to the Lord, he will draw nigh to us and walls of resistance begin to vibrate and shatter. So as we change our diet, we stand on the place of crossover. We can give thanks to the Lord and give praise to God. And don't care if you've never done that. You need to learn how to do that. No matter what your denomination has thought about it or taught you about it or what anybody else thinks about it, if anyone who fasts and prays and believes, thanking God for their breakthrough that's about to take place, should honor the Lord with thanksgiving and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thanks, Paul wrote, be unto God. That was the first word he said. Thanks be unto God. Very first thing you say, who always leads us into triumph. Thanks be unto God, who always leads us to triumph. So here's what I'd like you all to do. Stand to your feet and lift your voice for a moment and give thanks to the Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We anticipate. We look forward to in this fasting time about to cross over. We're ready to watch the walls of our Jericho fall. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. You're good to us.